So welcome to Advent and welcome to the celebration. thought this morning we'd begin with a brief reflection on what Advent is all about, but I thought I wouldn't do that. I would use Busted Halo. So any moment now, Galen is going to click the thing and I'm going to sit down. Advent in two minutes. Any questions? No, I just found it on the internet. Well done, busted halo. So Advent is a time to take stock. It's a time to take stock of what we hope for. It's a time to take stock of what ways God is offering us joy. To take stock of where we see peace breaking out in our lives and in our world. Time to take stock of how we invited to love. And in light of all of that, how we might in hope live all that out. As I said, today is also a very significant day in our church in this province and for the communion as a whole, I would suggest. Today, 40 years ago, there were two ordinations. In Auckland, the Reverend Jean Brooks, the Reverend Wendy Cranston and the Reverend Heather Brunton were priested by the Bishop of Auckland, the Right Reverend Eric Gowring. So this is their ordination. And in Waiapu, the Reverend Cherie Baker was also ordained by the Bishop of Waiapu, the Right Reverend Paul Reeves. I could not find a photograph of that event for some reason. I would have had that one up here because that was Waipu, but instead we just have the Auckland event. And the next day, on the 4th of December, the Reverend Rosemary Russell was also ordained by the Right Reverend Paul Reeves. I keep wanting to put a sir in there, but he wasn't a sir at that point. Um, so it was a huge day in the life of our province. I can remember when the last Tikanga Parker diocese um, ordained a woman, and it was in 1980. Uh, it was either 1984 or 85. I should have looked that up. Uh, and it was two women that I knew. One was uh, um, a deacon, deaconess, I guess she was still at that point, uh, in the uh, Church of Nativity in Blenheim, and one was um, a theological student. Uh, well, actually maybe they were just deacons but even that was pretty controversial so it was down in Nelson and the bishop did it by announcing it at the Synod Evensong that he was doing it the next morning at 8 o'clock and then he did it the next morning at 8 o'clock before the courts were open and they couldn't get the lawyers involved to go to the courts to serve an injunction to stop it so that was you know, eight years later, there were still dioceses fighting this tooth and nail. I discovered when my father died that he belonged to the Selwyn Foundation, which was the, the group that funded the legal campaigns against the ordination of women. He kept that very quiet while he was alive, I might add. I think even my mother was a bit surprised, and she was not a big fan of women being ordained. 
Our reading from Acts reminds us of the significant role women played in the life of the early church. We know from Paul's letters that he recognised them as leaders. Most of his letters are addressed to women. So you can kind of disappeared. No, go backwards. I don't know what happened to that. There you go. Just stay there. Picture. You didn't do it, it just disappeared on its own. Yeah, well. Uh, so Paul recognised women as leaders in his church. And we know that from the Gospels, Jesus invited women to do some pretty radical things. Mary was allowed to sit at his feet as a disciple. That's a place just for men. And yet Jesus was comfortable with that. All of these leaders in the early church pushed the boundaries and welcomed women into places where they had not traditionally been. The story of the ordination of, of women in our church is a culmination of years of people living out a hope that we could return to those days. A hope that women, the calling of women to priesthood could be recognised by our church, despite what the church had said and continued to say for most of its life. So those people, men and women, worked out of that framework and they lived in hope until it became a reality. It wasn't the end of the story by a long shot. Some of those women faced intense opposition for all of their ministry. But they paved the way so that when people like Joyce, Ar- oh, Joyce, sorry, Joyce Crawford was ordained uh, 33 years ago, so seven years later, she said she, she actually experienced very little opposition. Sure, there was always women and men in the parishes she went to be vicar of who were opposed to women being ordained and didn't want a woman as a vicar. But she made sure that whenever she went to a parish, she would go and visit them first. And some of those once opponents became her staunchest allies and supporters throughout her ministry. That was only possible because of those early women and the work that they did. And it needs to be recognised that we... There are still a significant number of provinces in the Anglican Communion who do not ordain women. And that is still one of the sources of great tension and division within our communion. We think it's all about homosexuality and the recognition of same-sex marriages, and that's certainly part of it, but a big part of the GAFCON agenda is the ordination of women and their deep opposition to that. So we're not there yet. So a little bit of history then about the rise of women in the Anglican Communion. So if you were here at church a few weeks ago when we did our fifth Sunday service, well a month ago actually, and uh, we broke up into groups and we explored famous Anglican people, one of those people was the Reverend Lee Tim Oi, hope that's pronounced right, who was ordained on the 25th of January 1944 in Hong Kong by the Bishop of Victoria, Hong Kong, the Right Reverend Ronald Hall. And he ordained her because, well, they'd run out of men, basically. The Japanese had invaded and all the men were off in prison camps or fighting. So he ordained her to, to fulfil a very important role. At the end of the war, the men came back and she resigned her licence voluntarily, but she did not resign her orders. Now, if you read Taonga, 
they will say the next ordinations happened in 1974. And I have no idea why they said that, because the next ordinations actually happened in 1971 in Hong Kong, where in 1971 the Synod of Hong Kong and Macau became the first Anglican province to officially permit the ordination of women to the priesthood. And then at the end of that year, Gilbert Baker, the bishop, ordained Jane Wang and Joyce M. Bennett, an English missionary, to the order of priests. And I read a very interesting article by him about those two women and some of the women he subsequently ordained and the incredible roles they played within the life of that church before they were ordained and after they were ordained. Joyce M. Bennett was in charge of a lot of the Anglican schools uh, and was well respected widely within Hong Kong and was invited by the governor to be on the legislative council. So um, these were significant women and the church was the first province to then officially ordain women in 1971. The next ordinations happened in 1974 in America, but they were irregular. That means that uh, a couple of, well, three rogue bishops decided they would ordain some women and they are called the Philadelphia Eleven. And the next year, another rogue retired bishop ordained four more, and they are called the Washington Four. Uh, later in 1975, the General Convention passed the measures that were required so that women could be ordained, and those women were then recognised as fully ordained. Uh, and then in 1976, they had ordinate, uh, further ordinations. In 1975, the General Synod in Canada passed the enabling legislation for women priests and on the 30th of November 1976 the first six women priests were ordained. In 1976 our enabling legislation was passed and the reason why there's a year gap was there needs to be a year so that people can appeal, which I'm pretty sure there were, and they could go through the legal process and once that legal process was dealt with then the ordinations could happen. And so, in 1977, on the 3rd of December, five women, well, on the 3rd and 4th of December, five women were ordained priests. But the story of our church's role in the ordination of women carries on. In 1989, the first woman to be ordained bishop uh, was ordained a suffragan bishop in the Diocese of Massachusetts. And the next year, here in little old New Zealand, we ordained Penny Jamison as the first diocesan bishop, as a woman who was diocesan bishop. And some of the stories that I've heard from people who were with her at that time at what was done to her and what was said to her are appalling, that we would treat people like that. Philip Richardson was her chaplain on the day of her ordination and he could not believe the comments that were made to her as she walked down the aisle at her ordination. And she continued to face fierce opposition. Hui Vuko, who was Te Piopa o Aotearoa, was violently opposed to women in the Episcopate and was vocal about that, would not go to her ordination and treated her poorly whenever the bishops gathered. He was just plain rude. And when she retired in 1974, 1974, 2004, 
Uh, I was at that General Synod and her valedictory speech, people went, oh, well, that was far too emotional and she shouldn't have said the things she said. She just said it like it was. And she said, never, ever again have one woman on the House of Bishops. It was terrible for her. So while, yes, we did the great thing and ordained a woman to the House of Bishops, she was not treated well and she was not supported by those, her brother bishops. Some of them did, some of them stood back, and others were just openly hostile for the entirety of her episcopate. We have much to be ashamed about. And then in 2013, well, that was a surprise. We elected Helen Ann Hartley to be the first to be Bishop of Waikato, and she became the first woman ordained in the Church of England to be made a bishop. So that was a little bit of a a thing for the English church because, well, they still didn't recognise women as bishops at that point. They were still trying to work out how to make that happen. And there was one of their own bishop in Waikato here in New Zealand. She is now going home. She spent a month in England being taught how to be a real bishop, not a, not a bishop out here in the colonies. So they've trained her up to act properly. Uh, and she's leaving uh, Aotearoa in about three weeks. Other first for women in this province, 1978, the Reverend Putty Murray was the first Anglican, first Māori Anglican woman to be ordained priest. That happened at Takao Marae in Northland. Pacifica was a long way coming. It was a big ask for them to recognise women in that kind of role. And it took a lot of work by Jabus and Winston to eventually persuade them that the world would not end and so in 2004, the, the Reverend Eleanor Mancini was ordained in Auckland, becoming the Diocese of Polynesia's first female Pacifica priest. Nowadays, for most of us, we look back and we wonder what all the fuss was about. What the opposition was afraid of. What the opposition is still afraid of. The world did not end. And, to be honest... Let's face it, without the significant number of women who are priests in our church, there'd be a little bit of a gap. We rely on women in many of our parishes to carry out those priestly roles. So today, we give thanks for the men and women who lived out their hope and worked hard to make that hope a reality. As Reverend Jean Brooks also reminds us, we remember the deaconesses who chose not to offer themselves for priesthood, who continued their incredible roles, their significant ministries as deacons or deaconesses, calling our church to service in the world. And we give thanks for the many ministries that women have and do and will offer in all kinds of way among us and on behalf of us, from here in the parishes all the way down to General Synod and the significant roles that women lay and ordain to play at that level. So with that story in mind, and remembering that today is the first Sunday in Advent, I invite us to consider that story, to remember those first women and all the women who have since being ordained and all the ministries that women offer in our church 
as, as an example of what might happen when we live out all that Advent offers us. So I invite you to spend a moment or two reflecting on the questions I started with. What is it we hope for? What is it we hope for? Those people hoped for a world in which women, the call of women to the priesthood could be recognised and acted on. What is it we hope for? In what ways is God seeking to offer us joy? Where do we see peace breaking out in our lives and in our world? How are we invited into love? And in hope, how might we live that out this Advent?